Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein myself and Kyle take turns introducing each other to films. And uh, in this way, we catch up on our cinema. Uh, so it is the month of July 2020, and uh, we have a special monthly episode we do here on the show uh, that we like to call Catching Up on Blu-ray. Uh, and essentially what that means is uh, we'll be taking a look at all the physical media releases for the calendar month. Uh, that would be DVDs, Blu-rays, and 4Ks and whatnot. Um, and just uh, say a little something about any any products that catch our eye, anything that is noteworthy, uh, maybe even any prospective purchases. So if you want to follow along at home, uh, we use a website called Blu-ray.com. Uh, so just navigate to the uh, release calendar at uh, Blu-ray.com and... Uh, Again, if you're not familiar with how this works, uh, physical media releases typically occur on Tuesdays of each week. Um, so let's take a look here right away. And uh, looks like our first official release date uh, for the month of July is July 7th. Um, and Kyle, right out the gate, we have one that uh, I'm sure jumps out to you. Yeah, I've had it on my uh, calendar for a couple about a month now, a little over a month. It's a Criterion release of War of the Worlds, 1953. Um, I watched this shortly after watching Forbidden Planet, which was it was probably my favorite old sci-fi movie. This is a very close second, and I'm I love this I love this cover. I this is going to be on my shelf eventually, and I planned on buying it, but at the last second, I ended up uh, spending my allowance on uh, the. <laughs> Boris Karloff, The Mummy movie, which was a huge mistake. I should have uh, saved my money for the sale that I didn't know was going to happen and buy this, but it will be on my shelf eventually. Well, the sale isn't over. Uh, it goes through, I think, the first week of August, so yeah. maybe maybe you can, you know, twist the missus's arm. Uh, <laughs> maybe get a, maybe get an advance on your next allowance. <laughs> well, it's my money. It's just it's what I allow myself to spend on uh, well, on I mean, physical either way, media. Um, you you saved a buck because I'm sure the the mummy Blu-ray couldn't have cost as much as the Criterion. <laughs> Kyle shooting me a look. He looks disappointed anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I happen to really like this movie as well. I haven't seen it since I was pretty young. Um, but if 1953 or not, um, the effects work, and in particular the sound in this movie, the sound effects are legendary this, in this yes. film. Um, and I, yeah, like the, I, I really enjoy this one. And I really like the Tom Cruise remake of it. It's also a very good movie. I like... About two-thirds of that movie. Okay, I'll give you that. Yes, about two-thirds of that yeah. movie, yes. But the, those two-thirds are stellar. Um, mm -hmm. I really love the first two-thirds of that movie. And then by the time you get to Tim Robbins and his son, Justin yeah. Chapman or whatever, when he shows up at the end especially, I was like, no, that kid had to die. I'm sorry. Yeah, that kid's <laughs> like, dead. All those people that went over that hill with that kid, they're dead. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's dead. Um, but I actually... You know, credit to Spielberg um, killing Tim Robbins in that movie. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was pretty ballsy uh, to have Tom Cruise, who's typically portrayed as, you know, a, a very good guy in most of his movies, mm -hmm. um, to have him actually do that in that movie. That was uh, that was kind of pushing it a little bit. Except for collateral. He is really not a good guy in that. Well, he, I mean, he's hes good at his job at the very least. He thinks he's a good guy. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> 
<laughs> just kind of like Tom Cruise yeah. in real life. Like, yeah. He has all the self-belief in the world. Gives him superpowers, man. Um, so beside War of the Worlds, though, we have something that I wasn't aware of, but upon closer inspection, these appear to be loafers. I mean, uh, the complete Lindsay slash Baker Giallo collection. Oh. Uh, so this is uh, a director and actress combination. Uh, so this would be a Giallo director, I believe, Lindsay, and a leading lady, Carol Baker. Um, so this is, I guess, all of their films together from 1969 to 1972. I'm not familiar with either of them, but I know the word Giallo means something to both of us. Yeah, it's. Uh, I actually was trying to watch Demons, um, Bava, the the kid Bava, not Mario. Uh, <laughs> I tried watching, but it just the eighties, the eighties um, pop music kind of in the beginning. I'm just like, I don't know if I'm the mood for this. And then I'm like, oh, I forgot the ADR. The ADR kicks in. I'm like, I'm really not in the mood for this. So I'm gonna go back and watch that. But man, it. If you would have told me first getting into Giallo films that they were all going to be ADR, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll hold off on that for a little while. <laughs> it bothers Ar- you that much, huh? It, it really does. It's hard to get past. Ar- Dario Argento's Suspiria is, it's a good gateway, it's a good gateway drug into that, into that uh, style of film, but it's hard to, it's hard to push past for me, uh. Yeah. See, for me personally, it actually bothers me less than a normal dub would uh, because what you're hearing is the audio presentation that was intended. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of times it's my understanding that when they filmed the Jalo movies, uh, a lot of times they'd have international casts, like British actors and American actors, mink- like mingled amongst like Italian actors, and everybody would just kind of speak their mother tongue on the set. Uh, they did that in a lot of Godzilla movies from like the 60s as well, where they had American actors on the set with Japanese actors, and they'd have this thing where you could tell everybody was saying their lines in their native tongue, and sometimes the Japanese actors would like shoot a weird look at the American <laughs> one. So it's like, what the fuck did he say to him? <laughs> it's like, I mean, it was the 60s. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if some naughty words were being tossed around. It wasn't polite. <laughs> yeah, um, but knowing that that's the official audio presentation like the director's intention like that actually makes it more tolerable for me Mm. um but it it is jarring no matter how you slice it Uh, just having the audio not sync up with the flip movements and whatnot um but beside that uh, we have a 4k disc that um a lot of people care about but you and i probably could not care less about Uh, that would be trolls world tour on 4k um, from 2020 this movie is mostly noteworthy as far as i understand for being one of the last uh of the pre-covid films <laughs> or at least no i believe it came out like at the beginning of the covid situation um so it was i believe it had an official theatrical release and then it carried on in the drive-in scene mm. um so it's like the last gasp before you know the situation got out of hand and now we're not really doing theatrical screenings <laughs> Um, but it made a lot of money because of that, because, like, what do we have available? It's like, well, we got trolls and, yeah, trolls. <laughs> <laughs> um, but beside that, we have what I want to say is the first um, Blu-ray printing. Uh, um, no, uh, The Day the Earth Caught Fire. I'm sure that has been on Blu-ray before. Cool cover. Um, I like that. It looks like London Bridge or something. Um, that looks like Peter Cushing on the cover uh, his name is big as life and twice as ugly on the cover the flesh and the fiends from 1960 that looks like it could be fun um we have a 
Death Warrant, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, so this would be Jean-Claude in prison fighting uh, Patrick Kilpatrick. God, I love that name. Um, for a guy who played mostly anonymous like henchmen in action movies, Patrick Kilpatrick. Like that That's just a perfect name for, for a goon. <laughs> I'm going to go on a limb here and say, you own this on DVD? I do not. Oh, wow. Um, however, uh, I did get... You're about uh, to? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, I don't have any particular love for this movie uh, in my heart, but um, I did get as a gift for somebody um, an official official uh, press kit for this movie. So, like, basically, um, the advanced reviewers for the film, the critics that would watch the screener, um, it w- it's, like, the actual, like, pamphlet and, like... Uh, photo book that they give you when you go to those um it was an ebay purchase um but yeah death warrants kind of like meh it's not anybody's favorite or anything like that gotcha um spaced invaders from 1990 Uh, i want to say this is the first time this has been on blu-ray and i have no detailed memories of this um but i do remember this was threatening to become a thing um this was really big at the video store when i was you know three <laughs> but i i do have memories from that from that young and uh 1990 was the same year that gave us the live action ninja turtles film um these kinds of movies like these uh animatronic makeup effects movies were really really big in 1990 to like 1992 um by the time you get to like warriors of virtue uh we've kind of moved on <laughs> um, but in the very early 90s i mean Screaming Mad George got a directing gig. He got to make The Giver, and it was almost entirely on the strength of that Ninja Turtles movie and its sequel. Um, and Space in- Spaced Invaders was another one of those that I should tr- I should probably ask my brother about because uh, I'm sure he remembers it. I just remember the cover art, like walking by the VHS at the grocery store all the time. Hmm. And it, it had a great cover. It made you think it was like a big fucking deal. I'm sure it's not, <laughs> but the makeup looked good. Um, but what catches your eye next, Kyle? We got a bunch of Arrow releases. Um, Black Rainbow, which has a cool cover, but it looks not good. Um, <laughs> Inferno of Torture, which has a very graphic, uh, like Ichi the Killer graphic kind of cover. Um, might be kind of crazy. It looks like it might be kind of crazy. Is it a Japanese film? Yes, it is. Um I'm familiar with this director, uh, Teruo Ishii. Um, he did a couple of Sonny Chiba movies um, mm-hmm. from around the same time, like late 60s, early 70s. Um, I don't know if he, he would fall into the... I don't know if this movie in particular falls into the genre of uh, pink cinema, but there's like a borderline like softcore porn um, exploitation film category oh. in Japan called called Pink Cinema. Um, I don't know if he dab- if he dabbled in that, um, but the Sonny Chiba movies of his that I've seen and own um, are very nearly that. And based on the cover art for this, I'd say he dabbled. Maybe, maybe, maybe he dabbled. <laughs> um, the other one, I mean, I like kind of like the com- cover for Zombie for Sale, but dude, I'm telling you, I could not care less about zombie films at this point in my life. Um, they're just, I, I feel like we're just, we haven't really... There's been nothing new that I've heard like, oh, this zombie movie. This is really a great take on the on the zombie genre. I did just watch y- uh, Yummy, which is uh, 
a horror comedy, and it was pretty funny. It did have some really funny parts, and it was a zombie film, but I'm like, this is, I mean, same stuff. Same stuff every time. You have certain tropes, um, and this doesn't seem like it would get any, this wouldn't go uh, outside of that. Well, let me pause you for a second here, because this might be exactly what you're looking for. Um, so I did not see that Warm Bodies movie. The I think it was Nicholas Holt. Yeah, it um, sucks. Like teen, It looked bad, but, you know, it is trying something new, though. So credit where credit is due. Um, this is a Korean film, and it needs to be said, uh, there's a little bit of a zombie revolution, like, slowly revving up in Korea right now. Um, we have this film from 2019, uh, we had Train to Busan, I believe, a couple years before. I haven't seen that. Uh, we, we have the sequel to that, Peninsula, coming out very soon, like within the next few weeks here. Mm. Um, and then we have, uh, I, th- it's, I think it's called Rampant. It's a series. I think it's a Netflix series based in like medieval uh, Korea. So they're doing things they're doing with the things. zombie genre. Um, so th- I'm just going to read the plot summary to this real quick, just because you're talking about like a lack of innovation. And... Uh, it reads, an infectiously funny slice of modern Korean cinema where Train to Busan, The Quiet Family, and Warm Bodies collide to create a memorable <laughs> rom zom com from the first-time director Lee Min-jae. Uh, when the illegal human experiments of Korea's biggest pharmaceutical company, Corruption, in a Korean film? No. no. Uh, go wrong. One of their undead test subjects escapes and ends up in a shabby gas station owned by the Park family, a band of misfits spanning three generations who hustle passers-by to make ends meet. When the Park family uncover their undead visitor, he bites the head of their household who, instead of transforming into an undead ghoul, becomes revitalized and full of life. The family then hatch a plan to exploit this unexpected fountain of youth, allowing locals to pay to be bitten too, until things go wrong. So we have a cure for zombieism, I guess, brought on by a zombie. (laughs) Um, Sounds interesting. I don't know if it means good, but it sounds like uh, it sounds like it's aiming more for fun than horror. Gotcha. So, I don't know. That could be fun. See, I'm actually... Uh, the other cover that is sticking out to me is Proximity. And that's only because I've been complaining today about a lack of good alien movies. Um, somebody needs to start making... Just just make some fun alien invasion movies. Like, they're, there's been some good ones, but I need, like, some, some, some retro a little bit. You know what I mean? Like... What was it like? Dist- is it District Nine? Um, Battle Los Angeles. Yeah, I'm like that um, was cool, but that's a little. I don't know. It's not really what I'm looking for. Dark Skies was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I enjoyed that one. That's kind of more of a an abduction kind of movie. Um, but yeah, make alien movies great again. Like we haven't had <laughs> like a like a signs esque uh, alien movie. See, that's more in the category of like an ab- abduction or like a, I don't know, alien intrusion rather than, than invasion. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, th- I think that's that's where you're going to see alien movies for a little while um, just because, you know, Hollywood's suffering right now and budgets are probably going to want to be kept low and uh, doing something like signs or like just like a, I don't know, pulling pushing the lens in i guess like narrowing the focus of the story would be an economical way of telling that kind of story mm. um as opposed to like independence day or fuck sky skyline or whatever <laughs> the uh, movie nobody saw but i somehow inexplicably own the sequel to <laughs> hey equal wise is in it and frank grillo 
Frank Frank Grillo went to Indonesia to punch aliens. God damn it! Who's Frank Grillo? <laughs> um, he's in like half of the Purge movies. Um, he's in a couple of Captain America movies you haven't seen. Uh, Kyle's not a super big Captain America fan. Or One would even call him <laughs> the opposite of a fan. Or, yeah, or a comic book fan in general. Yeah. Um, he he has a fantastic look to him. Um, the camera loves Frank Grillo. I know uh, the he name. He has I just... wonderful screen pre- presence. Um, he plays a lot of tough guys, basically. Um, but what else we got here? Uh, Grunt, the wrestling movie from 1985. Uh, I don't know this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say that much, and usually I know a lot about wrestling stuff, but this is not one that's a, that's known to me. Um, we have looks like sorry we missed you. Did well at the festival circuit. I don't know if that's a good thing. Don't fall not. for that shit. Okay, so here's no, the I f- never do, Kyle. <laughs> no, 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 don't even fall for the little things on there. Uh, if you actually look up close on some of these. It's just like this movie rules. Like I've I've actually seen them where like they're not even awards or like out not even like festival logos. It's just literally this movie is cool. No, I I literally was just looking at the cover for uh, Ernest Goes to Jail mm. yesterday, and there's a quote on there from somebody in Philly that just reads a very funny movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> just a very funny movie. Wow, Thanks. what insight! Yes. Yeah, for real. Um, but yeah, I, I don't fall for the, uh, the oak leaf clusters and whatnot. It does nothing for me. Um, but yeah, we have a whole bunch of, uh, movies that I'm just not even going to bother no. with. Uh, Orgasmo from 1969. Um, that name seems familiar to me, but I feel like I'm just getting it confused with other things that are similarly titled. It, there's uh, a South uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone did a movie called Orgasmo, and it's there you go unwatchable. Yes, uh, so this appears to be Italian from 1969. Um, we have a bunch of schlock beside that. Schlock um, is an understatement. Uh, we have something called Belzebuth that really desperately wants to be Rosemary's Baby uh, from 2017, um, and. There's a thing that we do here on the show. We don't typically talk too much about anime releases um, on Catching Up on Blu-ray, mostly because there's just far too many of them each month, and I unfortunately am so out of the loop that I really don't know what's worth mentioning. (laughs) Um, But I will point out the ones that mean something to me, and I know um, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, um, this (laughs) is from 2012 to 2013. I know that's going to mean something to at least one person out there who's listening. I was looking at these. I'm like, okay, Trevor, which, uh, which one of these are you going to comment on? (laughs) Well, maybe the one that's not going to get me sent to prison, Kyle. (laughs) Let's put it that way. Um, but yeah, uh, looks like that's about it for the week. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Let's, let's move on. We started Um, strong, but yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's starting to starting to turn to a grind here, and we're not even into the second week. Uh, so we have a uh, in between release here. That the only reason I want to point it out is because of the cover art. Um, so this is not on a Tuesday. This would be July tenth. Porno. That is Ultraman. Wow. No, not not porno. <laughs> Although porno is worth noting because yeah, it's called porno in yeah. from twenty nineteen. Um, striking title. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but it's the one I catcher. wanted to talk about was uh, Ultraman. 
The Birth of Ultraman. So this, I'm guessing, is just a Blu-ray box set of uh, the entire first series of Ultraman. Um, and this cover art was painted by Alex Ross, um, who is one of the more famous comic artists out there. Um, he does like photorealistic superhero paintings and whatnot. Um, and for whatever reason, I don't know what the significance is, but uh, Marvel has been printing Ultraman comics lately. So like Tsuburaya Productions and Marvel have made a deal and they're working together right now. Um, and this happens to be one of the covers of one of those comics. So I'm just curious what's well, going on with Ultraman. <laughs> they're all for making money overseas. I mean, they're all for making money, but I hope they don't get they don't have the hubris to think that trying to make Ultraman for American audiences is going to make them money. Do you... They've tried. Yeah. They have tried before. Um, there was an entire TV series that was uh, shot, produced, um, everything um, intended for American audiences that ended up staying in Japan. <laughs> I, think they, I think they dubbed the, the English audio into Japanese gotcha. <laughs> because they couldn't sell it to us. Oh. Um, there was an Australian Ultraman that I grew up on, actually. Uh, that was the first Ultraman I ever saw. But there's also a show on Netflix, an animated Ultraman series, that I think is doing really well. Um, I don't have Netflix, so I haven't been able to watch it. But it's supposed to be a radically different take on the character. That um, The design work, I think even you would like it, Kyle. Some of the art is pretty fucking cool. Mm. We're watching uh, The Outer Limits right now. We just Like watched the 90s one? The 90s one, yeah. Nice. Yeah. That scared me when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, that first episode is uh, Bo Bridges. It's it's an hour. It's a it's a ninety minute episode. It's kind of like this, like the pilot, like starting the whole thing out, like Twin Peaks. Dude, it, it's worth your time to watch that first episode. It's a lot of fun. Well, it's kind of funny you mentioned the Outer Limits because uh, the series that originated Ultraman is called Ultra Q, mm. and it was basically Japanese Twilight Zone. Mm. Um, and even the first series, not so much the later ones, but the very first series of Ultraman, there are tons of episodes of it that, yeah, Ultraman usually shows up in the last few minutes, but there's a lot of like avant-garde weird episodes in there. That Interesting. It is definitely from the mid-60s and is definitely inspired by the Twilight Zone. So I was going to, the, the, the 60s show is also available on Prime right now, so I was like, oh, I might check that out, but I feel like I might as well just do Twilight Zone first and then maybe go back to the old one. Is the original Twilight Zone worth my time? I haven't seen that much of it. I've seen it my fair share. And yeah, absolutely. Fun? Okay. Rod, Rod Serling was, he was a talent, man. Like right. he, he, he gave the world his gift, and it, it was the Twilight Zone, among other things. But right. I digress. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, let's move on to the next official calendar release date, and that would be July 14th. And uh, right out the gate, we have one that I actually have on my shelf as of yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, so this was a wonderful gift from my brother, uh, like a belated birthday gift that I was not expecting. Um, this would be the Criterion box set of Bruce Lee, his greatest hits from 1971 to 1981. So this includes The Game of Death, mm -hmm. uh, the movie that he did not complete. Oh, um, really? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, he shot most of the more important scenes, like the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar fight, I believe, was <laughs> shot in its entirety. <laughs> Kyle's cracking up. All yes, right. <laughs> Bruce Lee fights Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at the end of the movie. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Uh, 
but the rest of the movie like a lot of the dialogue scenes as far as i understand they did not get around to filming them so they ended up putting like bruce lee masks on just anonymous chinese actors and pretending that that was him they still had the script to work from so they still had all the lines and stuff but he was dead so they just filmed whoever wearing a bruce lee face that sounds <laughs> it's a little terrifying. fucking weird yeah it's a little fucking morbid <laughs> pretty fucking weird yeah but most of the important fight scenes were shot um like his fight with dan Inosanto is in there one of his basically it's him like fighting all of his students mm. it's like i i think uh I forget his I forget his name, but he's a Japanese fellow. He's from Seattle, I believe. Um, I think he was from Bruce Lee's original studio in oh. Seattle. Um, I think he's in it. Um, Dan Inosanto's in there, and then Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is like the final challenge on the pagoda. Um, so yeah, I am super stoked to check this out, if only to see uh, the Chuck Norris fight in a uh, Wave of the Dragon. Mm. Um, yeah, because that's that's my favorite Bruce Lee thing that ever happened. Is chuck norris getting his neck broke <laughs> but kyle uh what 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 catches your eye well um could you tell me uh who is on the cover of the lady eve the criterion release next to it because i can tell you whether or not i'm gonna if i would ever get it uh so that would be barbara stanwick and henry fonda hmm uh, i thought it for a second it could have been uh Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball. <laughs> I was thinking Lucille Ball. I was like, huh, a Lucille Ball Criterion release. Huh. I mean, she was fucking talented. Yeah. So I you know, if she got into the pictures and what if she was in, in pictures. The, if she was in the pictures. <laughs> if she was in talkies. Like, so yeah. <laughs> today I watched It Came from Outer Space, uh, from like nineteen fifty three. Not bad, not bad. But uh, I was looking at the cast, and I'm like, I looked at the two the two headliners, and I'm like, this man died at 56 for sure, and this woman is still alive, I bet you. Not that close. He died at like 65, 66, I'm guessing a smoker. Ancient. She is still alive. <laughs> Damn! I, yeah, uh, <laughs> I forgot her name. Bar- Barbara something, I can't remember. I think she was like the grandma on 7th Heaven or something like that. But yeah, still alive. So... I've, there's there's a trend here uh, I'm noticing <laughs> with these older dudes uh, went quick the gals stuck around yeah <laughs> Errol Flynn went out real quick his co-star still alive yeah um, um, Clueless re-release I've been actually meaning to rewatch that uh, I remember I feel like that's a 90s movie that holds up I'd like to go back and revisit it my uh, my girlfriend actually was telling me. I to like fill in a significant gap in my you know, like I don't know American film history knowledge. I should probably see it just for the the cultural artifact aspect oh, of it. Kind of like Clerks. Yeah, I've never seen Clueless. Ooh. And holy shit, twenty fifth anniversary. Yeah, right. Wow. Um, yeah, it's a it's it's not the most time capsule of the nineties movies, but I remember it being. I, because she's a little more uh, fashionable, I guess. And even at the time, like, her fashion was still kind of, like, not, I guess, necessarily in. It was a little over the top at the time. So it, I don't think it really captures the the uh, the 90s, per se. But I think the the jokes and stuff, I think, makes it a nice little time capsule to revisit. Well, and, you know, baby Paul Rudd and uh, baby Brittany Murphy, too. That, that that would be interesting. Yeah. What was the who's the kid? Breckenmeyer. Breckenmeyer's also in it. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he was in everything. Oh him, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh the guy with the middle part with all, the squeaky voice. All five <laughs> feet of him. Yes. Yeah, it's the John Connor template, you know. Like <laughs> every movie needed one, and usually they have a vest, and they usually carry a skateboard, but never actually get on it. Oh, Trevor! <laughs> he literally has the John Connor haircut, and he's a skateboarder in that movie. Yeah, it's either a, a middle part, a rat tail, or both. <laughs> he gets on a half pipe. Like it's actually a, a sequence in the movie. He he is actually a skateboarder in oh, the movie. Oh, so like he turns into a forty-five-year-old man that's a foot taller than him when he hits the half pipe. It might actually be him. That's the thing. Oh, Breckenmeyer got stunt credit. Well, you know that um, Jason Lee uh, of the Kevin Smith Askew uh, Universe. He was a pro skater before uh, he started acting. Wow. Was not aware of that. Yeah, you can find his videos. He came up with one. He came up with the trick. Like he was bef- like before skateboarding got really big in the nineties. That's what he was. That's what he was. And then he got into acting. So I'm picturing someone interviewing him after he's done doing all his tricks and stuff, and he just looks directly in the camera and says, "I'm a fucking demon." <laughs> <laughs> like, How did you do that, Jason? Because I'm a fucking demon. <laughs> He was the best. I think I, he was the more memorable person in Dogma. I'm going to have to go back. I'm just going to go through the whole Skew universe again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm feeling that itch, too. Um, especially since I haven't actually seen a good chunk of them. Um, at the very least, I want to watch Mallrats again. You need to at least watch Chasing Amy because it's something, okay. to be, something to be seen. Okay. It's a Criterion release, for Christ's sake. Uh, <laughs> you got you got me there. You got me. Um, beside Clueless, though, uh, we have um, what it seems to be a monthly thing: um, a Shout Factory release of a Hammer um, horror film of some sort. So this would be The Kiss of the Vampire. Um, so this is from 1963. Um, I don't believe this features Dracula, uh, meaning no Christopher Lee. But the funny thing about those movies is, from what I've read, there's a certain cutoff date where he's stopped giving a fuck. Like, he got so pissed off at the scriptwriters that he was like, you know what? I'm not saying lines anymore. <laughs> it's like, Dracula is a mute. I started to watch the, the Dracula, the Christopher Lee Dracula movie, because it's on Prime or Shudder right now. I started to watch yeah. it, and then I got distracted and had to do something else, and then I didn't get to go start it up. Yeah, I, I watched, at the very least, um, the first of his Hammer uh, tenure as Dracula. I haven't I haven't seen his uh, his Frankenstein, though. Um, but, I don't know, those Hammer movies, they're, they're definitely trashier than the, the classic Universal stuff, but I feel like they age well. Like, there's something there's something to, like, the, the ultra-bright, like, pastel color palette and just the, like, slight air of campiness to them. That it, just, it just works, you know. It, it just works. I, I catch myself saying that all the time now. <laughs> it just works. I, I, there's at least somebody out there who's triggered every time I say that because uh, of that Fallout 76 deal. Kiss the Vampire uh, looks like it's from the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, it looks like it could either be softcore porn or a church youth group uh, put together a movie. I don't know what it is about this cover that I'm just like, I'm not buying anything that you're telling me. It it does give you like a little bit of like a, I don't know, a trashy 90s pseudo horror film like yeah. Love Potion Number 9 or uh, <laughs> no uh, numbers. Dr. Jekyll and Mrs. Hyde. <laughs> I saw that when I was like 12. <laughs> that movie was fucking, that, that was something. Did like, you watch? Have you, have you heard of this, Kyle? What is it? Dr. Jekyll and Mrs. Hyde? Yes, I've seen that. That's with uh, yeah. Crazy Eyes. Uh, Sean, Sean Young. Young. Yeah. 
Yeah, I watched. I remember watching it. Like, it's that, not bad. It, it was just like I was like twelve, and I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> this is racy." Yeah, I was just I was younger than you when I watched it. I'm like, "This is <laughs> a lot going on with this movie." No, I mean, I I saw boobs in that. Um, There's boobs. Yeah. I remember I, man I, ass. The, I don't hang- remember man ass. Maybe I blacked that part out, but I do remember <laughs> boobs. <laughs> It'd be worth going back. It'd boobs are very memorable at a certain point in your life. Yeah. <laughs> That's when that was like the first man ass I'd seen. I'm like, oh, that's a that's a man's ass. <laughs> that's <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that's not mine. <laughs> that's a man's ass. There's hair on that ass. <laughs> so we have something called Mr. No Legs from 1978, um, from Massacre Video. Um, so this what the fuck this is reeks happening of, in July? This reeks of a. Uh, like a boutique publisher of some sort. Um, I have never heard of them, but I'm just going to take a look at their uh, their catalog here just to do some on-the-fly research. Um, Hack-O-Lantern, uh, that was a uh, Red Letter Media movie that got reviewed on their show, so that tells you the kind of quality <laughs> we're working with. <laughs> and everything else is unknown to me. Um, so, yeah, they specialize in the, schlock, the schlockiest of the schlock, I guess. Um, and that title... That title works for me, Kyle. Mr. No Legs. He's got really? a gun. <laughs> this looks like a Danny Trejo film that, that would be released on Netflix like last year. Mr. No Legs would be something he would do. Uh, was it Kick Kick Ass or no Badass? His movies are called Badass, where he's the. Have you heard of these, Kyle? No. So, do you remember there was a YouTube video that quote went viral um, a long time ago, where uh, <laughs> a long time ago, where uh. <laughs> An old man with like a baseball cap and a beard got in a scuffle with a young man on a bus, and it was recorded, and everybody applauded the the old man beating up the young youngster. Um, so they made an entire Danny Trejo uh, film universe called Badass um, based off of that incident. Uh, that served as the inspiration for for these films. Danny Glover is in several of them as well. <laughs> um, but so it would be badass versus Mr. No Legs. <laughs> Mr. No Legs tries to get on public transit. Badass ain't having it. <laughs> by the way, they folks fight. Are, by the way, folks ninety are, minutes, twenty twenty. Well, <laughs> there's a gentleman in a wheelchair on the cover. So with a gun. Yeah. <laughs> with a gun. Yeah. Um, but moving on here, we have um, Day of the Warrior from Mill Creek, notorious for putting out. The barest of the bare bones discs. Uh, this is an Andy Sidaris film. Uh, he he makes schlock. He makes he comes up. I think every every month. I think they put out one of his movies a month now on DVD or Blu-ray. And uh, basically, he makes softcore porn, gals with guns kind of movies. Brocklanders. Um, exactly, like on the nose. Um, and I believe, without even looking it up, Return to Savage Beach from 1998 is more than likely one of his as well. I can't even look at these covers. Um, they look so bad. <laughs> uh, the only one within the next couple rows here that jumps out at me is one that I'd like to talk about just because I already own it. Bloodshot? Um, no. No, I might rent Yeah, that, don't give me that. Like, that's above <laughs> you. But, oh, Kyle, I would never buy Bloodshot, you heathen. Yeah, you got me there. Oh, <laughs> I totally shit. would. I, I <laughs> I, I own way worse than Bloodshot, and I haven't even seen it. No, I'll, I'll I will rent Bloodshot. I was gonna see if you if you'd uh, rented it yet. No, uh, the one I was gonna talk about was uh, Enter the Fat Dragon 
Uh, so this is a Donnie Yen movie. This is Donnie Yen in a fat suit, uh, beaten ass in Tokyo. Um, as has represented by a handful of location shots and mostly a soundstage made up to look like the streets of Tokyo. So I, I don't know if that was more economical or less, but they decided to do that. Hmm. <laughs> um, this is the movie that I sent you a clip of. I went yes. out of my way to manufacture a clip from this movie and circulate it on the internet because it was so priceless, it just had to be immortalized on my phone. Uh, that would be Donnie Yen <laughs> saying, <laughs> you lose, man! <laughs> uh, it's not It's not a terrible movie. It it has like a Chinese New Year syndrome where there's a there's a thing they do in Hong Kong. I, I, don't, I don't know about mainland China, but in Hong Kong, there's almost like a tradition where you celebrate the Lunar New Year with the fluffiest of fluffy movies. So you put a bunch of A-list stars in a campy, fluffy movie, uh, and it sells like hotcakes. It's so, usually a rom-com or something like that. Is it like our like Love Actually Valentine's yes. Day, New Year's Eve kind of crap? Exactly. It's, Love Actually is exactly what I'm thinking of. Um, Love Actually for, is great, by the way. What I was going to say is, except there's no quality to the writing it's a hurried production the entire basis of it is just like everybody's probably hung over when they're seeing this anyway so let's just stuff it with sexy people and have it be dumb um so it has a lot of that going on where it's like there are some legit good action sequences in it but it's just so dumb and it's like paul bart but every once in a while there's like a super high quality fight scene in it and it's like where the fuck did that come from <laughs> But in between it, it's just fat guy fall down humor. <laughs> I don't mean to jump too far ahead here, but does this munchen in uniform look like a Nazi propaganda film? Uh, 1931 could be. <laughs> I mean, honestly, uh, like it, it, that's what it looks like. It's also a a, a Kino release. Um, so Kino is kind of like a parallel to their Criterion collection in some ways. Um, they also specialize in like a preservation mm-hmm. of of films of a certain standard so i actually wouldn't be surprised if it was and i'm not clicking on it uh for (laughs) you you think the government's gonna look for you after that for reasons that i won't go into my wi-fi is off on my computer so all i have is just the actual blu-rays the page up so i'm not gonna click on it because bandwidth you'll you'll (laughs) you'll you'll lose it The Taking of Deborah Logan, though, um, 2014, this is one that's been on my list for a while, and I've heard is actually really good. Uh, however, I believe it's supposed to be kind of like um, a, a pa- an Alzheimer's patient or somebody suffering from dementia, but they've got like a horror twist on it to where maybe she's not actually suffering from dementia. But either way, um, I've held off watching it because um alzheimer's scares me and i'm not quite ready to to jump into like a a fiction about that you know what i mean yeah um i'm right there with you uh alzheimer's dementia is one of those things that uh scares the crap out of me it's like it's like if you if you want to like compile a list of things that i would not visit upon myself or anyone close to me be very high on the list <laughs> according to one of my professors uh, alzheimer's gets so it can get so bad that patients are in a state of ma- like mania where they're laughing hysterically and then scared out of their minds because it's literally just jumping back between like 
present, not knowing where you are, present, not knowing where you are, like just constant loop. Um, which I'm like, well, that's the most terrifying thing I've ever heard. Thanks for that. Well, bad news for you. It seems like it's a very popular topic in the uh, the horror realm these days, um, mostly because you know horror movies tend to rely on you know working within a low budget, and if you're a talented writer working with a low budget, what's something that you can convey to an audience through the through your writing more so than like you know leaning on heavy like special effects and whatnot? It's like, yeah. Well, it's, some and not only that, it's something that's very relatable. Yeah. And very visceral to a lot of people. Um, well, part so of horror is. I want to ta- say, I want to say the market's getting very crowded with movies it, that deal with the subject matter. And maybe that's not fair because horror is supposed to tap into our own fears. Like that's what makes horror interesting. So maybe I need to. Maybe I do need to watch it. That's kind of the point of horror. There's a. I can think of like one or two others that I know just based on like a loose outline of the film that we're dealing with allegory or we're, we're doing like parallels or analogs to to alzheimer's dementia and I'll tell you right now there's there's a few that are on your list and whether you know it or not Ow. one of them's going to pop up and you're you're going to be like motherfucker mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh but um what else we got here uh tokyo gore police i'm kind of jumping ahead here i mean um Let's see. I didn't know. Was there anything else that kind of popped out to you? Special? Uh, that I was gonna silly. I was just going to mention a Jungle Holocaust from 1977. Yeah. Uh, it's a nice cover. Um, it seems like, I mean, it's pretty obvious that it's part of the cannibal subgenre of horror from the 70s. I was going to say, is it a early 80s? spiritual like uh, sequel to Cannibal Holocaust? I mean, cannibal, jungle, Holocaust, all of those words, I'm sure if you just like rearrange them, (laughs) you could make make the names for several different films. But Tokyo Gore Police, um, I know this movie by reputation. I actually avoided it um, when it came out. I had the means to see this any number of times, but uh, there's a certain type of like, it's not a horror. It's not horror at all. Um, there's a certain type of like low budget like gore fest Japanese film that just doesn't really appeal to me that much. Okay. Um, Meatball Machine would be another one of those. Um, Vampire Girl versus Frankenstein Girl. Um, yeah, th- there's a lot of Japanese crap out there that gets marketed just right and finds an audience. But for me, it's like I I tend to know what I like, and I don't think it's this. Gotcha. Um, but, you know, I, I don't exactly have highbrow taste in cinema. I mean, Versus is pretty close to this in terms of categorization or genre. Really? I actually um, liked Versus. So did I. So do I. Um, but this, I want to say, <laughs> fear, Veers, like, leans into some of the stuff about Versus that I'm kind of on the fence about. Oh, okay. So. <clears throat> but that's that's just my opinion. Like I said, th- this kind of stuff has an audience, um, and it continues to to this day, but... Um, anything else jumping out to you here, Kyle? No, not really. Um, I will point out that we have something called Thor, colon, End of Days from 2020. Um, and this is not a Marvel film. <laughs> um, this is directed and written by someone named Thomas Shapiro, who, surprise, surprise, has no credits um, in his filmography. It's from a studio called Invincible Pictures. 
and uh, yeah, it looks horrible. Yeah, and the font is dangerously close to the Marvel font for the for the name Thor. Uh, yeah, I think maybe uh, Disney's uh, they're worried about other shit right now. That so the, some of this stuff can kind of squeak by. The lawyers are working on other things right now. It's like I got better fish to fry. <laughs> um, so yeah, the rest that looks of it is so just... bad we don't even give a shit. You can't afford our lawsuit. I mean, we were just talking about the uh, Resident Evil 2 remake game before we started recording, and um, there's one of the main characters in that game is Leon, and uh, he this Thor looks a lot like Leon, mm-hmm. and that should not be. Your Thor should never look like your Leon. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's about it for this week. The rest of it is um, some ecchi anime, so titty anime, and uh, <laughs> yeah individual releases for all the uh, Criterion Bruce Lee movies yeah. um, but we already kind of went over that so let's bounce on down to July 21st and again uh, we have a high profile Criterion release right out the gate uh, this would be Marriage Story from 2019 this was an Oscar darling uh, from Noah Bombach, and I think it says something to the quality of the film that its initial uh, home release is a Criterion offering yeah, I'm never gonna watch this movie. Why? Why you say that? I just I I don't care. Uh, like, um, dramas like this. Like, I saw Kramer versus Kramer, uh, which is like marriage drama. I I don't know what it is. I could not care less. I cannot get into that. No, I mean to each his own. Uh, I expect that the performances are excellent in it. I think the cast is pretty solid i like adam driver yeah um, scarlett johansson has never really been a selling point for me honestly under the skin yeah you, you've told me that before and i should check that out um it's not like i have anything against her it's just she's not a selling point i wouldn't rush out to the theater to see anything she's in no um, even even black widow which may or may not make theaters at this point even that, I wouldn't rush out to see that because of her. I'd go because Taskmaster's in it. <laughs> Most of her movies aren't really targeted towards you. That's why I say Under the Skin is like, yeah, that's more targeted towards you or I. Um, more, more you, Kyle. Let's be fair. <laughs> it's A24, bitch. I'm just saying. Like, yeah, definitely you. <laughs> yes, me, but also you. Um, For you. But you. She tried doing comedy in a movie that has a bunch of comedians, like a bunch of really funny women, and none of them get to be funny. I don't understand. Oh, no. It's so girls trip or something like that. It's so. Oh yeah. yeah. I've mentioned that. The only funny part is uh, Buzz from Home Alone uh, has this dude smoke meth, <laughs> that's, that's the, or does a bump on meth. <laughs> it's the only good part of the movie. Buzz is alive, but she, and he does meth. <laughs> yeah. But she is not. She's not funny. Uh, but Under the Skin is great. But I don't know. This is one of those like, oh, the performance is really good. I'm like, yeah, I just don't care about dramas like this. Uh, I was forced to watch these as a child, so I'm not going to make myself watch them as an adult. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think I would never rush out to see something like this, but movies like this, if, you, if you're if you in the right emotional state, I think it's exactly what you'd need. Um, like, uh, my brother recommended to me um, Demolition, the Jake Gyllenhaal film, um, at a specific point in my life that that was exactly the movie i needed to put on um gotcha and i could i could see movies like this dealing with this subject matter in particular 
a divorce. <laughs> uh, you know, breakup, divorce, something like that. I, I, I could totally see somebody flocking to a movie like this. But, I mean, I heard really Oda's good in it. I heard Laura Dern is very, very good in it. It looked very, very good from what I could tell. Um, but, oh, what was the... I thought I thought ScarJo was okay in that Don John movie. Like, she was playing against type, kind of. Like, she was playing, like, kind of a trashy girl from Jersey. <laughs> she, was, she was good in The Prestige. Uh, I'm not oh, saying... I didn't even remember she was in that. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's in The Prestige. Um, she did a lot of costume dramas and stuff that I have zero experience with, so maybe the, that's where her talent lies. Is she in the other girl? Is it not the other? Is it the other girl? It's the girl with the pearl earring was one of them that I know she she cut she shaved her eyebrows. goddammit. it, that means something in the acting world. <laughs> yeah, she did one with Natalie Portman. I think it's the other girl or something like that. Um, so, oh, she did one of those movies where that really really hot girl <laughs> makes herself not very hot, <laughs> and it, it amplifies the performance. It amplifies. <laughs> um, but beside that, we have one that you could potentially get excited about, Kyle. Um, um, Spartacus? Yeah. Um, I but, do. But it's your boy. Yeah, Kirk Douglas. And no, uh, your your <laughs> your other huskier bearded boy. Oh yeah, uh, Kubrick. Uh, there you yes. go. <laughs> um, I was gonna say this is. I mean, Michael or Michael Douglas, Kirk Douglas pops that shirt off in this movie a couple times, so. Um, sucks it in too <laughs> not in this one uh, i've seen the opening like that this is i presume a very long film i yes. saw probably the, i saw probably the first 30 minutes of it so like one eighth of it maybe. this is kubrick when he didn't get to be kubrick this is not like this isn't the the shining kubrick where he had total control of everything <laughs> this was a studio film um and i think paths of glory was kind of like the, he, I don't know how many movies he did with Kirk Douglas, uh, but I think Paths of Glory was kind of like the, uh, I don't want to work with this fucking guy, all right? Because it's a little more Kubrickian, like it's more of his kind of film, but it's still not quite his film. Ah, so this was a studio film, yeah, st- like featuring Stanley Kubrick. Yes, <laughs> yes. Gotcha. Well, it's on 4K as of July 21st, so that's a that's a big deal to a lot of people. I've only seen it on VHS. Uh, the, Spartacus is one of those movies like the first half of the movie is good. Like they after the revolt, it's just like I could not care less now. Well, I was pretty young when I saw that first chunk of it, and I I got what I wanted from it. I got to see some gladiator shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but beside that, we have uh, Airplane. 1980 i love this movie um i love this particular brand of comedy um this is the zucker brothers um sight gags galore joke a minute films um man i i can't get over how much i miss this particular brand of comedy because i as far as i understand it just doesn't exist anymore it died with leslie nielsen Uh, that makes me so sad for both of those things (laughs) i'll give the first two scary movies a pass I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll those give, are fine. Those are fine. And even Leslie Nielsen's moments in the subsequent films, uh, Scary Movie 3, he's he, even his parts are actually funny in there. Uh, those mo- that Scary Movie 3 is awful. Scary Movie 3 and 4 are bad. But if Leslie Nielsen pops up, it's funny. I mean, like the Hot Shots movies, uh, all the Leslie Nielsen movies, the like including The Naked Gun, obviously. Um, all those spoof movies, like all the Mel Brooksian films and whatnot, like, man, 
I, I adore all of those films, and they're endlessly quotable. And I just love the fact that they never let you, they never let you take it serious for even a second. Mm. And for every joke that misses, that we're on to the next already. So it's like, don't even know, worry about it, it. Yeah, don't even worry about it. You're gonna find something that works for you. Um, but we have another Criterion release here, Taste of Cherry from 1997. Right. Um, this is an Iranian film. Mm. Uh, I'm just going to read the description because it's a Criterion film and I'm not familiar with it. Uh, An Iranian man drives his truck in search of someone who will quietly bury him under a cherry tree after he commits suicide. Whoa. That's Mm. some heavy shit. Yeah, that's a little too art house, like a little too, uh, a little strange. Uh, Striking cover. Very striking cover. Yeah, I do like the cover, but yeah, I'm going to skip that one. I can't remember if it was an Iranian film or what country it was originated from but there was a film i had to watch in like high school or college called the cyclist um that's awesome mm. that's an awesome movie <laughs> it's, it's about it's about like a man that um rides a bicycle around like a fountain for days on end and like like the local villagers like it's for like a bet or something and like the local villagers help him out by like riding the bike when he passes out and stuff to like pre- keep a ruse going that he's still riding the bike but it has this really awesome soundtrack that it's it's ultra repetitive but it, it just gets under your skin and it's just this awesome it, it even turns into a beat at one point like it, it almost turns into like a hip-hop song at one point hmm. um maybe maybe look it up kyle it's it's pretty cool um not something i would have ever sought out on my own but i was subjected to it and i enjoyed it <laughs> uh so we have uh scoob on 4k so this is from 2020 i believe this is post covid so or it maybe came out like trolls at the at the very beginning of the covid um so this either had a limited theatrical release or was denied one um as far as i understand this is supposed to be like the setup for like a hanna barbera cinematic universe <laughs> um so we might get like yogi bear and uh i'm fine mcgilla gorilla <laughs> and grape ape and stuff <laughs> on yeah, film I'm yeah you fine. can keep it um i've probably said it multiple times on the show my mom kept me from watching scooby-doo because she thought he would make me dumb <laughs> she, there we we went to the blockbuster and my little cousin my mom said, go pick a video. You can rent anything you like. You're spending the night tonight. And she came running up with this tape. It was like Scooby-Doo meets the space aliens or something. And my mom was like, nah, you put that back. <laughs> and my little cousin was like five or something. I was like, holy shit, mom, that was cold. That's what my parents thought about. Be- That's what my dad thought about Beavis and Butthead. He's just like, you're not watching Beavis and Butthead. I'm like, but it's, it, it's for me. It's for children. It's for kids. And he's like. You're not listening to those fucking morons. He's like, I don't want to listen to those fucking morons. I mean, that was my mom's logic, I'm sure, because whatever my cousin picked, my mom would have to watch with us probably. Yeah. And she's like, no, 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 no. I have standards, goddammit. But, ooh, that is a swastika. Yep. So Mephisto from 1981. This is another Kino Lorber uh, release. So what the fuck are they doing at Kino in, in July? Uh, apparently just nothing but Nazi films. Um, I'm just going to read the description here because this cover art, uh, swastika and all, is actually quite spectacular. Um, a German stage actor finds unexpected success and mixed blessings in the popularity of his performance in a Faustian play as the Nazis take power in pre-World War II Germany. 
As his associates and friends flee or are ground under by the Nazi terror, the popularity of his character supersedes his own existence until he finds that his best performance is keeping up appearances for his Nazi patrons. That sounds excellent, actually. Mm. Um, I like the concept a lot. Um, it's, it's very, it's kind of like meta, I guess. I, I would never run out and grab that, you know, like for whatever price Kino's asking for. But um, if I was on like a class or something, and they put that on, and I knew the description. Sure, I'd be kind of excited to check that out. Um, and holy shit, uh, we just did an Errol Flynn not, uh, movie not too long ago, uh, Against All Flags from 1952 with Errol Flynn and who is this? Uh, Maureen O'Hara. Um, so I'm guessing she's still alive. <laughs> also, Anthony Quinn's in there. Um, if I remember right, Anthony Quinn was the uh, the mob boss from uh, Last Action Hero. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so yeah. the, the really bad Italian stereotype. <laughs> you, you do a, a 360 on me. <laughs> 180. <laughs> uh, Sicilian schmuck. Um, what is this? Uh... Better Off Dead, starring John Cusack. FYE edition, so that that might be something Brad has to run out and get. <laughs> unlike, unlike me out here in Seattle, uh, I think he still has an FYE out there. Uh, what else we've got here? A uh, bunch of oldies, um, re-releases and whatnot. Um, oh, one for me. Uh, so Samurai Marathon, 1855 from 2019. Um, I've been waiting a long time for this. Uh, I expect good things from this this is actually interesting because this is not directed by a japanese director um i believe they're british um, so it's a british director making a japanese film with mostly a japanese cast and maybe like alfred molina or something if i remember right <laughs> um but it's it's based on i think a novel but it's like a there's a marathon staged in like feudal japan um and in the midst of it there's a foreign invasion um in the form of like western powers and whatnot um and mostly why i'm excited is uh a it's a samurai movie that's always something to be hyped about and b uh takeru sato is in it and he's great um he's the he plays the lead in all the the kenshin movies i i've told you about those countless times um it's the the mummy guy on on my poster oh, gotcha, on, the yeah. big poster on my wall um he has a remarkable gift for being able to I don't know. He's he's a chameleon. He can play any kind of character you ask him to, but he's very good at like vacillating back and forth between being gentle and just utterly ferocious. Um, and he has sword training, as evidenced by him doing five Kenshin movies at this point. So uh, he can handle himself on the set. Uh, so that's something to be excited about. Um, and yeah, I'd, I've been waiting for this one for a long time. I'm actually uh, kind of shocked that it's getting a... a a western release as, as soon as it is um so that's probably a day one purchase for me and holy shit right beside that we have a uh, pat labor uh the mobile police um, i actually spotlighted I this i knew you were gonna hide. i looked at him like he's not gonna do that and then i looked at him like yeah he is and i don't <laughs> know why i don't know why predictable <laughs> um so pat labor the mobile police this is the special edition blu-ray box set of the uh the tv series uh, the anime um, i actually spotlighted this on uh, the most recent tales from the shelf episode i did with brad from the cinema speak podcast um, i own the pat labor movies all three of them but i've never actually seen the tv series um, 
I've told you a lot of times, um, Pat Labor, yeah, you you need to you need to check them out. They're great. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'm gonna get this, but mm, thinking about it because I love those movies, and more more is sometimes not a bad thing. So Kyle, uh, I had several in a row. What do, what do you got? Like, what's jumping out at you here? Um, nothing really. Uh, Tom Hardy's Capone movie, which I've heard almost nothing about yet. Really? Yeah. Really? I I heard so much about this. Good or bad? Um, f- bad and fascinating. <laughs> um, seemingly across the board, people hate this movie. Gotcha. Um, I think a part of that might be that it's a, uh, it goes against your expectations. It's it's a subversive film, Kyle. <laughs> it's it's kind of like the the Last Jedi. It it goes against your your expectations. Um, Was it like actually when- this? This is a dementia film, so that's something that it's a check mark against. It yeah, you. he was going crazy from syphilis uh, the last yeah. nine years of his life, or the last seven years of his life. And apparently, that's the bulk of the movie. It Interesting. Is just you and Tom, you and Tom Hardy losing his marbles. Hmm. Um, he's and, not. He's uh, not somebody who I. He's not somebody I care about. Like Capone, I'm like I don't care if he's suffering from dementia. I don't know. That just it's it's a it's an odd take. It's it's a. It's an odd story to tell. I I think it I think it has legs because I mean I've brought this up about Rafe Rafe Fines in the past um, that I don't know there seems to be a thing among certain actors um, where the idea of playing someone with an outward reputation and like an inner self being in stark contrast to one another seems to be a fascinating project for a lot of actors like Rafe Fines revels in that he loves doing that. Like playing someone who's outward, outwardly fierce, and on the inside they're just a bag of broken glass. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this case, you have Tom Hardy, who apparently fronted the bill for this movie to some extent, and was apparently the reason it even got made because Josh Trank has a terrible reputation in Hollywood. And um, this was kind of like his his comeback film. Um, Josh Trank being the guy who did a Fant Forstick. <laughs> Uh, the Fantastic Four movie with your your very favorite actor in the world, Kyle Miles Teller. Miles um, fucking Teller. Yeah, he pops up in the damnedest places. <laughs> you just want to punch him. You just want to. He has him. the most punchable face. <laughs> I love that scene in Whiplash where fucking J.K. Simmons slaps. I was actually thinking about it today. I'm like, why do they call it Whiplash? Is it because J.K. Simmons smacks the taste out of his mouth uh, for being offbeat? <laughs> it's fucking minute. It's a it's a really nice little scene there. Uh, J.K. Simmons is scary in that in that moment. Um, but yeah, fuck that dude. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Josh Trank. This was supposed to be like in to some extent like his comeback movie because as far as I know, uh, Fantastic. A lot of the blame for the failure of that film got thrown at him. Um, and he hadn't done anything since then. And Tom Hardy signing on to do this movie was what got got the ball rolling. Because Josh Trank also wrote this film. So it was him. It was something he wanted to do. I have no idea why. Maybe he, maybe he's fascinated by Capone or maybe he has real life. Um, maybe he's dealt with dementia in his own life. Not personally, but like maybe people around him or something. Well, or I, mental illness to some extent. I would say, I would argue that Tom Hardy kind of has a thing for gangsters because he's played, he played those gangster twins, he played Bronson, and now he's played Capone. 
Very true. Um, also, I mean, he's had substance abuse problems in the past too, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, so he's he's a mess himself. So you know that he he did too much coke one weekend. <laughs> <laughs> no, he he's he's kind of he's kind of all over the place yeah. too. He's a fantastic actor, but that doesn't exactly mean you're a great person or yeah. like you take care of yourself. Um, but yeah, this is a fascinating project. I don't know if it's a good movie, but on paper, there's a lot to it. Um, so maybe the stories about the making of it are more interesting than the movie itself. I might actually watch it um, just because I have enough interest uh, just to check it out, but I'm not going to pay good money for it, that's yeah. for sure. Um, what else we got, Kyle? Uh, Reality Bites. Is that the one you tell, you've you told me about a few times where uh, they're all shitty people or all just kind of like, um, yeah, they're all just shitty people and they're all just kind of like hanging out? Yeah. Uh, the interesting thing about those, the cast, mm-hmm. um, which is very, very meaningful to people of a certain age um and the fact that it's directed by ben stiller um who i I love ben stiller i assert i assert that ben stiller is a talented director however this movie it does not age well (laughs) um there's certain 90s artifacts that just do not age well and i think we were talking about this before we recorded um Art, artists that haven't like suffered the correct way in their life mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. guess. Um, this would be an example of that particular type of story where it's like I'm sorry I can't relate to any of your white bread problems yeah. ben, <laughs> this movie is just too vanilla for me <laughs> I need Ben I need you to wrangle Jim Carrey and make a really dark like a nice dark comedy set in the 90s uh, make the cable guy that's great do Tropic Thunder which I still laugh at just thinking about sometimes that movie is i think that might be his overall bet like his greatest achievement was tropic thunder i'm not gonna do any research here but i'm just gonna throw it out there kyle has ben stiller and danny devito have never worked together right uh duplex danny devito directed it and ben stiller was in it right i want to say yes yes correct Okay, see, to me that movie isn't that very good, but that's a that's a cinematic pairing that needed to happen and should probably continue to happen because those their sen- their senses of humor, like mm. their particular style, just it's it just melts perfectly. Yeah, uh, it's actually fun. I feel like Ben Stiller would actually be a fun recurring character on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. They were I don't know what what they were thinking casting Danny DeVito in that show. But it's one of the most brilliant things in the world because he is awesome on that show. I know my my brother's always telling me like, you need to get on that. You really don't know what you're missing. I know (laughs) it's one of the greatest shows. It's a it's a bit of a sore spot for me because like I do feel that's one of the few TV series that people tell me about that I actually do feel a little bad for not being familiar with because there's a lot of shit that people recommend to me and I don't watch any of it, but. That's one of them that yeah, I actually... don't watch any of it. <laughs> hey, I'm just being honest. It's true. I'm not. It's very hard to get me to do things. No, when no, it no. Comes no. I'm to just like saying, like, just TV. in general, people are like, you got to watch this show. I've had people like, you got to watch Deadwood. I'm like, I'm not going to watch Deadwood. Like, you got to watch Deadwood. I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to do it. Or Carnival. Or like, you got to watch The Wire. You have to watch all these HBO series. You got to watch The Sopranos. I'm like, I'm not going to watch The Sopranos. Not going to happen. Well, you might. But you'll probably find you'll probably get to it the way I did, 
and you have to find your own way to it. It mm. didn't involve anyone recommending it to me. It was just kind of the time was right, and I put it on, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Mm. And then I moved on with my life, <laughs> um, unlike unlike some people. But um, what else we got here? We have and a then, Bruce Willis oh. direct-to-video film, Survive the Night. Yeah, it's uh, is that that's not Jim? That's Cazuza, Jesus. Yeah, it? that's Jesus. It is. It looks like Jesus. No, it's not. Um, How's that not? That looks Chad like... Michael Murray. <laughs> <laughs> that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. But I don't think that's him on the cover. And if it is, he looks totally different from what I'm used to. Um, yeah, I totally thought that was Jim Caviezel, yeah, but it's not. Jesus. Um, uh, I I watch a lot of direct-to-video crap. Kyle can attest to this, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't watch Bruce Willis direct-to-video uh, no. crap. No, um, that's that's a whole another thing. I can't do that. Um, we have a what I would assume is a re-release of a uh, Daniel Day-Lewis in mm-hmm. in the name of the Father. Um, that cover art, man. I'm sure that does something for a lot of ladies. <laughs> uh, th- that's a that's one that I've seen because it was always close to the doors. The 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 doors uh, VHS in the in the movie store for some reason. Um, but this is one I have wanted to see, and I think we're actually going to finally get around to watching Phantom Thread this weekend. Ooh, um, good one. Yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited to watch it. Um, but this is one that I've wanted to see. I think it's he plays an IRA uh, member. He does that, Kyle. What? Um, he plays IRA people. Does he? Has he done it more than once? I think um, the boxer, same deal. Oh, I think maybe he is. I've seen a piece of that. I'm like, but I, I think you're right though. I think that is part of the plot of this movie. Um, but he does the same thing in the boxer, which I actually very much would like to see. I'm surprised um, you haven't. Is it because it's a good movie about boxing? Yes, actually. <laughs> you walked right into that one, you fucker. I mean, I only have like one actually good boxing movie on my shelf. Don't say the big it's man. It's called Fat City, oh, and the God. only reason I have it is because my brother gave it to me. Oh, okay. He's like, here, watch something good for a change. <laughs> <laughs> and it was. It was excellent, but it's like, God damn it. <laughs> I only watched this because you made me. Yeah. Um, this room, the room, is. It's a. this is a Shudder uh, Blu-ray release. Um, I've, I keep going past it, and something about it seems like it might be interesting, but I... I just haven't pulled the trigger on it. It looks like it's like a decent movie. Yeah. Uh, anybody who cares, um, we actually flirted with the idea of maybe doing an episode on, on Room or The Room. Mm-hmm. Man, there's too many movies with that name. Yeah, right. Um, but we haven't pulled the trigger on it. Uh, so I think we're both on the same page where it's like it it looks compelling, but just not quite enough to, yeah. to really warrant to watch. Um, so unfortunate, but it don't is have what it is. Much else for this this day. Uh, yeah, Ooh. the rest of it looks to be re-releases mostly. Um, we have Dragonheart three from 2015. Larry Crown, the the Tom Hanks, and uh, I want to say uh, Nia Vardalos is in this movie also. Um, hmm. The my big fat Greek yeah. wedding lady. Um, Larry Crown is is. Indie schlock. It's it's not indie. It's not an indie movie, but it is that kind of schlock. Although there is some novelty factor um, coming from the fact that like the cast has some unexpected surprises in there. Mm. Um, but it's it's schmaltzy as all hell. <laughs> it, it, it's like this isn't this doesn't take place in the real world at all. Um, 
but yeah, uh, moving on, I guess we'll skip on down to the next week. And uh, we have July 28th, um, 2020. And uh, Kyle, what's the first one that catches your eye? Ooh, uh, 13 Ghosts. Uh, I've seen the hell out of this movie. Uh, right along with like Ghost Ship and The Haunting and The House on Haunted Hill. Um, I think of that list I just said, I think The House on Haunted Hill is probably the most fun. I would agree with you. Mm, um, ghost ship, I you know what? Ghost ship's a bit fun as well. Uh, Thirteen Ghosts. I feel like even going back, it's like a, it's gonna be a new metal horror movie more so than Ghost Ship. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think that I'll be getting this on Blu-ray. But I might go back and rewatch Thirteen Ghosts for funsies. I think you should do that for yourself. Um, maybe not buy it, but I, I, I think. Oh, I'm not I gonna think buy this that. Particular- <laughs> No, I and mean, just the fact that you were able to rattle all those movies off like so quickly tells me that you remember that particular moment in time pretty solidly. So the nostalgic factor is there. Like you should probably check it out, see 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 what it's like looking at as an adult. There's a lot of hotties associated with those films. Oh yeah, Shannon Elizabeth, Shannon uh, Elizabeth, Juliana Margulies. Uh, then you've got uh, uh, um, Oh, God damn it. The, Oh, Famke. 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 Famke Jansen. Yeah. And uh, no, no milk will be our milk. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so new. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what else we got here? Oh, uh, we have one that I actually flirted with um, doing an episode on, and then I backpedaled on that pretty strong. Uh, Graveyard Shift. No. 1990. Um this cover was one that I would see it on VHS all the time in the, in the grocery store and whatnot. Um, I actually like discovered this movie from a uh, bootleg VHS that they played for us in middle school um, that still had the commercial breaks in between. Nice. I think we were watching Glory, and in between the commercials, they had uh, a commercial for this movie. And I was like, oh, I want to watch that movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> the Stephen King movie with the giant rat. <laughs> Glory is the kind of movie that they will play uncut on television. And yeah, that's one of those. Actually, that was actually kind of funny because I only just saw Glory uncut when I bought it on 4K. Like, oh, really? Like six months ago. And I discovered that it was edited. Um, oh, really? The version I saw in school uh, had some of the violence cut out. Um, that movie, the opening of it in particular, is pretty savage. Um, so it was like Batman Returns for me, where for the longest time I only knew the TV v- cut of it, and then I see the the real thing, and I'm like, oh, that guy got shot. <laughs> like, Predator. Yeah. yeah, I was blown yeah. away when I saw Predator as an adult. I'm like, holy shit. Oh yeah, when you see what happens to Jesse Ventura and Carl Weathers, it's a yeah. different movie. Why did they it's think, a different movie? <laughs> why did they think they could edit that for TV? It's a completely different film. <laughs> um, but yeah, Graveyard Shift is. It's like one tier up from the bottom of the barrel when it comes to Stephen King ad- adaptations, but it has some eccentricities to it that make it charming for me. Maybe because I saw it when I was like twelve or thirteen or something. Speaking um, of Stephen, it's not great though. <laughs> Stephen King adaptations, The Outsider, I really had a good time with. Um, kind of an anticlimactic ending, uh, but altogether, it's a really good. Uh, it's a really good miniseries. Little. Uh, little, little Stephen King fun, fun HBO show. I, uh, what is that one? I don't. Even, I don't think I know that one. Um, so it's. I don't know how long ago he wrote the story, but it's. Uh, it's like eight episodes long. Um, 
Ben Mendelsohn. There's a bunch of people. Uh, the um, the 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 nerdy girl from uh, Saint Elmo's Fire plays his wife. The lady with the glasses that Rob Lowe almost sexually assaults. Oh, um, <laughs> oh that that lady. one of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's this horrific, these horrific murders that are happening, but one is like really, really bad, and they think Jason Bateman did it, and they're like, they have him on video, like this is Jason Bateman did it, but there's some kind of um, entity mimicking people in this town, and like kind of in the area, and they're basically trying to catch it. It's pretty fun. Wow. Uh, it's... I- Never heard of it. It's pretty dark. Uh, it's yeah. It kind of went under the radar. Uh, I was kind of surprised. It's I mean, like I said, it's it's a good execution. The ending I didn't really care for though. Ah, well, I mean that'll happen. It's but, worth your wow, time. Com- complete series, uh, complete first season. So maybe there's going to be a follow up. There might be. I mean, I would definitely continue watching if they're like, we're going to keep going with this. I'm like, I'm totally fine with that. Gotcha. <laughs> Lorenzo's oil. I didn't know Nick Nolte was in that. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that movie. I completely forgot. I only remember Susan Sarandon in that movie. Well, 1992, that was when he was a dime piece. Yeah. <laughs> that was when he was on magazine covers and stuff. It's Spe- like, Time's Sexiest Man. Speaking of <laughs> which, I feel like uh, for Black and White, I feel like my final pick might be the Gregory Peck and the other guy, uh, Cape Fear, from like oh. 1962. Because that's Black and White, 1962. I think it's older than that. Um, but it, I don't know why Cape, it just keeps popping up. Gregory Peck keeps popping up. Uh, the other, the guy who plays Max Cady, he's in Dead Man, which I just watched. It's just like, and now Nick Nolte, who's in the, uh, I think a Scorsese remake of Cape Fear. It's not like Robert Mitchum, is it? It's Robert Mitchum. That's exactly who it is. Um, okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a dad actor. Yeah. (laughs) I've seen that De Niro Cape Fear movie and it is I've seen it a few times. It's really good, and I kind of want to see what the original is. I want to see Mitchum play Max Cady. Uh, the the De Niro one is very good, except the last like half hour on the boat, basically. Oh, I, I love the last half hour. I mean, it gets a little... It's uh yeah, there's a little bit like him falling off the boat. How's he getting back on the boat? Yeah, I, it, I give it. It just it it starts to drag, and then when he gets set on fire, it's not a good effect, and it just kind of takes you out of it a, a bit. But the early goings, especially, ooh yeah, it's it's gripping. Him, um, him drowned like him when he's like speaking in tongues in the river. Oh, that's it's fucking. Good. I love that last shot of his eyes just above the surface of the mm. water. Like that's that's how you kill a villain. <laughs> like that's 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 acting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really, it's funny. Uh, Mitchum is actually in that. Mitchum and Gregory Peck are both in that film. Oh, very nice. Yeah, yeah. Robert Mitchum was one of those names that meant very little to me, but um, a lot of the movies my dad would talk about that would that name would come up he he's the boss in scrooge the give me the beer the well he he has that voice yeah. um he's he's the narrator in tombstone <laughs> is he yeah yeah i mean he's in like 10 seconds of the movie like he's never on screen and he just says welcome to tombstone where people get shot every day <laughs> and yeah <laughs> that's about it but yeah that might be my final black and white pick is uh Kate right. i wouldn't be opposed to that um, at all uh, but moving along here, um, we have a anime release I actually can talk about, uh, Demon City Shinjuku, um, from 1988. So this would be a, I believe it's an OVA. Um, this is directed by Yoshiaki Kawajiri, 
who did Ninja Scroll, among other things. Uh, so it looks good, and it's fun, and it's violent, and that's about all you need to know. Okay. Oh, yeah, and there might be boobs. Um, you do have... 1988. August is coming up, so, I mean, if you need to throw... I hope you're going gory with this August. You you kind of like dropped a hint a couple like about a month ago like better be fucking gory. I like because that's, <laughs> I mean, cause that's so, the yeah, only that's... thing that can keep my attention with anime is like I need to see violence. Okay, well that's kind of how I've been picking the movies lately. So um, something there will be blood. <laughs> we must be coming up on something uh, having to do with uh, the Holocaust because. There is a terrifying... Are you seeing this cover? I am. The City Without Jews from 1924. Whew. That is is, fucking scary. If you put that up in my room as a child, I would not sleep. No. No, no, no. Could you... you, Would you mind clicking and reading that for me, please? Uh, There is no synopsis available, um, but it is from a publisher called Flickr Alley, um, who are not known to me, but they seem to have good taste because they have The Man Who Laughs from 1928, um, which of course has that iconic grinning man character that supposedly inspired the Joker, mm. um, as well as the uh, the silent uh, The Lost World from 1925, which I, <laughs> I remember pissing my mom off because I, uh, I made her tape it for me because they, they screened it on TV um, before the the Steven Spielberg Lost World came out in theaters, and I was really into stop motion at the time, and of course, young man, dinosaurs, got to see it. So she's like, "You want me to record a silent movie <laughs> from the television? <laughs> okay, okay, son." Um, but yeah, they seem to specialize in movies of a certain era. Um, but yeah, this uh, city without Jews um, is not known to me, but wow. I, eye-catching cover and more than likely heaviest of heavy subject matter. Um, oh more wow! Than likely very important to film history. Uh, yeah, there's. I'm reading the wiki page of it, and it's. Yeah, you might want to look at that. Uh, uh, I believe the director was murdered shortly after this was seen by a Nazi sympathizer. Wow. Well, yeah. 1924. Yep. Um, not a safe time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I might want to look into that one. Slave of the Cannibal God. That looks awesome. Yeah, probably, that, that cover is pretty fucking cool. Probably <laughs> unwatchable, but that cover and that title, you have my attention. Ooh, ooh, Kyle. Yeah, I see Italian it. director Ursula Andres and Stacy fucking Keach. Yeah. Stacy Keach. All right. I am there. Titus's dad. <laughs> I'm there, man. He pops up as uh, he has a very small little role in Thirty Rock. Uh, they're trying to sell these couches that have been made in America, and they're awful, like absolutely terrible because products made in America. Uh, I guess that's the joke. And uh, he's supposed to be trying. He's like, all right, who are we gonna market these to? Like, we got to get this to like older Americans because the only ones that'll buy American-made products like that. And Stacy Keach trying to sell this to like the elderly, he's like, "You think sitting on a couch is supposed to be comfortable? Not in my country. In my country, you're supposed to be sitting uncomfortable on a couch, like, trying to sell these couches. It's it's pretty good." Oh, he's he's a treasure. Man. Yeah, I actually would really like to check out some of his uh, Mike Hammer uh, 
I think he had a TV series and maybe a film series. It's like hard-boiled detective stuff. Mike Hammer, you don't say. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I was like, that's a cop that doesn't play a... by the rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, he hits the booze hard and hits people's faces even harder. <laughs> so, uh, that's the tagline. <laughs> <laughs> need to have the um in there, too. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, Stacy Keach is great. I, I will watch him in pretty much anything. Um, we have a Joe Pesci movie from 1992, a Kino Kino Lorber release of uh, The Public Eye. I feel like Joe Pesci, if he's not with Scorsese or if he's not with Macaulay Culkin, I'm not going to watch it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to make of this one. Um, interesting cast. It's got Joe Pesci, Barbara Hershey, Stan, Tucci, Stanley the Tucci. The Tucci? Yeah, The Tucci. And produced by Robert Zemeckis. Um, oh. I don't know this movie and i you know that's not a good sign w- was aware of and or saw uh was it seven heads in a duffel bag or whatever eight, eight heads in a duffel bag <laughs> eight heads in a duffel bag um yeah his post home alone career was well outside of scorsese outside of scorsese said, yes um was spotty at best <laughs> but it didn't stop me from being intrigued like when i was young it's like oh that's the home alone guy mm. oh <laughs> And then he's in Scorsese movies that I see when I get a little older, and I'm like, oh, whoa, <laughs> I didn't know that. I've really been Jones in a rewatch Casino. I actually did that, um, oh, like, man. about a month ago. Oh, was it great? It's very, very, very watchable. The editing is mesmerizing, and I don't use that word very often in my daily life. I um, think the Coke straw really just, like, there's something about being glued to that movie, and that Coke straw scene just comes in, and, like, it's almost surreal, where it's like, wait, did I just see that? It's it's interesting, the timing of that. It's an interesting movie, because I, it there's parts of it I really don't like, um, mostly the, the relationship issues with Robert De Niro and Sharon Stone. It's mm-hmm a little icky and it's a lot of the runtime of the movie Mm -hmm. um but it's one of those movies that i feel like if you cut out all the dialogue and you just had the score like just the soundtrack and the shots it would be beautiful uh, because it really is one of his most handsome movies if you ask me i actually prefer it to goodfellas and that's a controversial opinion um I'm going to disagree with you on the uh, the relationship aspect because that's a silent downward spiral movie that we're getting with Sharon Stone, and that's key. Like their relationship is key to that, and I, I that's part of the fun of the movie too is just watching like watch this train wreck. Look at her, look at her. <laughs> it's the, it's the loudest, loudest, quietest downward spiral. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but what else we got here? Uh, it looks like we have a couple of sissy SpaceX <laughs> releases this month. <laughs> Um, the River and The Raggedy Man, um, both from the 80s. Um, we have something called James Cameron's Story of Science Fiction, probably a documentary from 2018. I'm, I don't know if that's the right time to release a documentary with James Cameron, being as he has six Avatar movies in the works at present. So his body of work is not yet completed. So hmm, maybe hold off on that one. These movies better uh, cure cancer because he's been working. I, the amount of money I'm assuming is being funneled into these monstrosities. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, we would have had a cure for COVID by now if, <laughs> if she had been helping out. No, we need six <laughs> more fucking Avatar movies. We didn't need one, James. Uh, what is this accidental studio? Um, doesn't look good, but the cover kind of jumped out at me mostly just the 
fact that it's fucking bright yellow. Oh, uh, Terry Gilliam, John Cleese. Wow. Uh, charts the early years of handmade films seen through the eyes of the filmmakers, key personnel, and the man who started it all, former Beatle George Harrison. Um, so I'm guessing that's a documentary about a production company more than likely involved with uh, the, was it the Flying Circus or the uh, the Monty Python guys? Mm-hmm. So that, that could be interesting. Um, for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I was actually thinking more for you than for me. I yeah. could not care less about Monty Python. I just they, like Terry Gilliam. <laughs> and John Cleese, is, yeah. John Cleese is cool. The, uh, the rest Monty, of them. Monty Python, the movies are really hit and miss. Same with the TV show. I've seen a couple episodes. There's generally one good sketch. There's that, uh, I don't know if it's a Monty Python product or if it's just a John Cleese thing, but that Faulty Towers show is supposed to be outstanding oh man that's funny uh funny you mentioned that because on community they uh they mentioned um somebody says uh something that's like a tv show and abed comes up and goes mash like that's the better tv show and uh john oliver says faulty towers you all lose (laughs) i mean it it has that kind of reputation well i read the description of it i'm like that sounds so stupid but then i'm like the sitcom (laughs) most most setups for sitcoms are pretty stupid well it's meant to be just a blank canvas to work from um you could probably get it on the brit is it crack nah cracker is the show i wanted to watch but the brit box um robbie coltrane is a detective cracker it's brit box is probably where you would get it it's going all right over my head (laughs) (laughs) whatever makes you happy kyle Um, so unless you had anything else you wanted to point out, the last one that I will I mention nothing. anything of is a, a Gundala from 2019. Uh, this is a Indonesian superhero film. I knew you were going to Caught a trailer for a handful of months ago. Uh, it looks very Dark Knight-ish. Uh, it seems kind of like towing the line between like superhero movie and like gangster movie. Um, promises to have some decent martial arts sequences and decent production values overall i'm not going to blind buy this one but it is one that did keep my eye on just because it looked it looked kind of fun um and only other one that jumps at me and just for the cover art is uh the other lamb um from 2020 and ifc films that's they're kind of hit and miss aren't they kyle i haven't seen one that i've been able to sit through yeah, I feel like they have they I think they have a couple of different imprints, but it's like IFC Midnight or something that's mm-hmm. like nope, not doing it. But IFC I think is like it's kind of like coin toss. Um but this is a girl born into an all-female cult led by a man in their compound begins to question his teachings and her own reality. Sounds like a podcast. <laughs> 3000 podcasts. Yeah. Um but anything else Kyle? No. That's pretty much it. It's kind of a slow month. Uh, yeah there's there's a, a couple of real big ones and then the rest of it's just kind of like re-releases and schlock um, yeah i think the only thing that i've seen on here that i would like to get and will be getting is <laughs> uh is the uh war of the worlds uh the criterion war of the worlds nah. um for me i think I mean, Samurai Marathon, I'm definitely going to get. Oh, yeah, and there's apparently a, a canon movie called P.O.W. The Escape, starring David Carradine from 1986 that 
Uh, the cover is painted, but it looks nearly identical to also another Canon film, uh, Chuck Norris film called uh, Missing in Action. So they may have done a head swap. <laughs> it, I would not put it past the Canon group, being as they're all about you know stretching that dollar. Um, but um, I was very, very fortunate to get the uh, Bruce Lee box set, the Criterion one from my brother, so I don't have to worry about that one anymore. Um, I already got the Hong Kong Blu-ray of uh, Enter the Fat Dragon a couple of months ago, so I'm ahead of y'all. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything else? Uh, mm, airplane is kind of tempting. <laughs> I don't know. Really if, I don't think it. I would buy Airplane, but I do want to I do want to take another look at it because I do think it's very, very funny. Um, but yeah, I think that's about it for me in terms of prospective purchases and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but, yeah but yeah, that was uh, the month of July in uh, in the Blu-ray world. Um, so yeah, I, if you want to check out some of our other programming, our other uh, Catching Up on Cinema content, we do have a website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, as well as an Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema and a Twitter at Catching Cinema. Um, feel free to hit me up at either one of those social media accounts and I may or may not get back to you. Um, that being said, uh, thanks so much for listening and uh, we'll catch you next time.